All right, so Mark chapter 16 is where we're at. And I want you to notice what it says in verse 15. And He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In My name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And what I want to preach about tonight are snake handling churches. But this isn't going to be exactly what you think. All right. This is not exactly what you think it's going to be about tonight. But I do want to talk about snake handling churches for a little bit. Because first off, uh, this passage right here is one people will use. And we all are familiar with some of these churches, usually out in Podunk, Collar, down in Kentucky or some place like that, you have these people who will literally bring snakes into church, poisonous snakes, and will play around with them and sing, sing and dance with them and uh, show their faith. And let's just say it, that's nuts. Okay? That is crazy when people do this kind of thing. But they will use Mark 16 as justification for it. But first off, let me just say what Jesus said here in Mark 16, it all happened. It all happened. In Acts 16, verse 18, it says, And this did she many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said in the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. Paul went and cast a demon out of a woman. You know, And that is what God said would happen. So guess what? Mark 16 happened. That doesn't mean I can just go casting demons out whenever I feel like it. Now, I'm not saying I can't cast out demons. I'm not saying that. I'm saying I haven't really had an opportunity. I haven't had a need. I don't know. Maybe that would fix some of you all if we cast, a, you know, had a good old-fashioned exorcism. Uh, but at the same time, too, um, you know, people act like you're denying Mark 16 when you claim that I don't think what you're doing is legitimate. And but no, these things happen. Acts 2:4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. People spoke in tongues. Like Jesus said, they would speak in other tongues. That doesn't mean you just have the gift of gibberish whenever you feel like it. We see in Acts 28.3, And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, No doubt this man is a murderer. Whom though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth him not to live. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. So guess what? Sure enough, a deadly beast, the snake, bit Paul. He shook it off into the fire. Jesus was right when he made that statement in Mark chapter 16. In Acts 28, verse 8. Because notice it says, uh, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It says, and it came to pass... As the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and of a bloody flux, to whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. And so when this was done, others also, which had diseases in the island, came and were healed. And so did you know that the only thing that the book of Acts doesn't record of the things that Jesus promised in Mark 16 is somebody drinking any deadly thing. Right. But at the same time, doesn't mean it didn't happen. And it doesn't mean you should go drink poison and see if Jesus will heal you. That is foolish. That is wrong. Because notice in all of these examples, while we just briefly read them, 
None of these things were done according to their own will, but they were done according to God's will. Paul didn't set out to go have a snake bite him. It just happened. And God healed him. They didn't have these services saying, hey, let's put ourselves in a compromising situation and see if God will do something so we can have a moment. Okay, they didn't do a Greg Locke thing where they got a tent together and they called everybody to come out where we're going to put on a big show. No, situations arose where these things were needed and these things were done according to God's will, not according to man's will. When something came up where God wanted it to happen, it happened. But did you know they didn't always get what they wanted? We see in 2 Corinthians 12, 8, it says, Paul speaking, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. Talking about the thorn in the flesh that he had. Three times he prayed that God would heal it. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So guess what? Paul didn't always get what he wanted when it came to that. You know why? Because healing was not about man's will. It was about God's will. Now, it's always my will for people to be healed when we pray for them. But you know, it's not always God's will. And you know what determines whether or not they will be healed? What God wants. And if God wants to heal somebody, God will heal them. If He doesn't want to, they won't be healed. In 2 Timothy 4.20, it says, Erastus abode at Corinth, but Trophimus have I left at my lead him sick. Listen, if Paul has the ability to heal people, why is he leaving Trophimus and sick of my lead him? You know what? Do you think Paul probably didn't pray for him? But the truth is, obviously it wasn't God's will for him to be healed at this time. And here's another thing that these charismaniacs, these showboats, never want to talk about. And that is the fact that the signs, these miracles, they were always for unbelievers, not for believers. You want to know why Greg Locke's got to put on the show that he has to on a regular basis and he has to keep up in his game? Because his church is full of unbelievers and they need to see, they need to see something. Believers, we don't have to have that stuff in order to have faith and to keep living for God and to stay motivated. We've got the Holy Spirit to help us with that. We've got a work to do. But these guys, they got to keep on putting a show and a performance because that's who the signs are for. But the purpose of the signs is to get believers, unbelievers, to become believers and be saved. But notice these people that are having these church services, these assemblies of believers where they're trying to put on a show that's geared towards unbelievers. So, under, and we're not going to go into the Scriptures, but the Bible is very clear that those signs, that the tongues, it was for unbelievers. Paul spelled these things out for us. And so I'm not saying, though, that all these things in Mark 16 can't happen today. I believe if I'm out doing the work of the Lord and I get bit by a poisonous snake and God doesn't want me dead yet, He can heal me. But you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to bring a snake in here and tempt it to bite me. I'm not going to do that. That would be foolish. And I do. I believe God could do any of these things. But what is 100% wrong is trying to make these things happen for a show. To put, purposefully put ourselves in a dangerous situation for some kind of self-glorification is wrong. It is dead wrong to do that thing. We see in Matthew 4 or 5, Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on the pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, 
For it is written, He shall give His angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Did you know Satan was interpreting the Bible here exactly the way the snake handlers do? Hey, it's, there's a promise in the Bible. He'll protect you if you dash your foot against a stone. Let's jump from the temple. See what God does. Amen. No, what, did, what did Jesus do? Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Now, folks, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. How is playing with a poisonous snake in service not tempting God? How is taking a blowtorch to your hand not tempting God? I mean, folks, that, that is demonic to just do that kind of stuff. It is so wrong on so many levels. It's tempting God. Deuteronomy 6.15 says, For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you. Lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. Ye shall not tempt the Lord your God as he tempted him in Massa. You know, we're not supposed to tempt God by daring him to do a miracle. That's wrong. That is wrong for us to purposely put ourselves in a situation and dare God to do a miracle. And I don't, you know, and I don't want to get sidetracked too much, but you want to know where this principle, this command is also violated in a lot of churches. Let, you know what? I get in enough trouble in the Baptist world just because of the fact that I'm not pre-trib and stuff like that. Let me just get myself in more trouble tonight. You want to know where people... Yeah, I'm, 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 let me just commit political suicide again. <laughs> you want to know where people do this kind of thing? Faith promise missions. And now, I'm not against giving towards missions. Here's what I am against. Them going into these churches. It's like, we're going to have a meeting this week and you all got to figure out what the Lord wants you to give every week or every month to missions. As you're trying to figure out how much you need to give, listen, it's not about what you can give. It's about what you could possibly give if the Lord does work. And they will encourage people to pretty much roll the dice financially to make this sacrifice. Y'all need to commit. And listen, if you commit, you better follow through with it. You know, so you, you think you can afford 100 a month? And you can't afford 200? 200. Do 200. Might as well make it 300. And, and you know what you're, you know what you're, they're doing? They're telling you, put yourself in financial danger and God has to do something. That's called tempting God. You don't do that. Listen, I, I think it's giving you great. And y'all, and I just lost all my Baptist credentials again for like basically telling y'all to be reasonable in your giving and not stupid and stuff like that. You know, I'm supposed to be conning you all into giving all your money. Things like that at church. But folks, it's called tempting God. We're not supposed to do that. Don't give them what you can, don't give them what you can afford. Give them what you can't afford. It's called tempting God. That's, that's not right. I don't agree with that. I don't think we ought to do that kind of thing. I think it's a violation of the Scriptures. And so any church that practices this type of thing, where we're doing things to just tempt God, how, we're no different than the snake handlers. You're, that is, that's like, and we will never have a snake handling service, and we're never going to have a service too where I'm going to get some motivational speaker in here to tell you a bunch of inspirational stories to con you people into tempting God into pledging to just give an amount you can't afford. I don't think that's right. I don't think we ought to do that kind of thing. And so, but, you know, again, the snake handling stuff, this isn't really what I want to talk about today, though. But we all understand snake handling in church is foolish. It's wrong. It's tempting God. It's sin and crazy. And you know what? Maybe I have a terrible heart, 
but I have a hard time not laughing at people, and I have a hard time feeling sorry for people who get bit and die. How many of you have seen the video where the guy's handles staying at church and he gets bit in the ear? And it's like bleeding all over the place. And the guy died. And he said, that's not funny. He died. I know it's not funny. I mean, the guy probably died and he went to hell. But look what he was doing. That's wrong. That is foolish. And so it's kind of hard not to laugh at that stuff. And if I understand right, I think his dad, that guy's dad died the same thing. And so it's just like, come on. You know, learn your lesson, people. But again, this isn't so much what I want to talk about. Because the goal of this message, too, it's not to just label people snakes. Okay? Well, I'm talking about snake handling. Not, I'm not trying to label people snakes, even though for some it might be a good description. But the point of this message is to make sure we do not, in principle, become a snake handling church by basically tempting God by bringing that which is forbidden into the church. Because I'm telling you, churches are doing this all the time where they are basically putting their church in a dangerous situation, tempting God, doing something God doesn't want. But, but we, we do it under the, with this idea that no, God can do this miracle. God can take care of the situation. Let me tell you, I get it. There is no limit to God's power but we are still not supposed to tempt God. And there are, in principle, I believe there are many areas where churches are violating this principle. And let me just say too, I think even myself as a pastor, I have been guilty of this before, where you know we allow things into the church that we probably shouldn't because we think we can handle it. But what, and, and, and it's not even just we think we can handle it. You know, we'll say, I think God can handle it. But wait, are we actually being of faith here? Are we being noble? Are we being as spiritual as we think? Or are we tempting God? And I'm telling you, I think a lot of times we're crossing lines and tempting God. And so I just want to kind of cover a few things to kind of help us with this night and just kind of understand because I'm telling you right now, I have just, I've, I've come to the point, I used to think a lot of Baptist preachers were just too big of jerks and too mean and, uh, and you know what? As time goes on, more and more, I'm just like, you know what? I think these guys probably knew what they were doing a little bit. I think some of us preachers need to be bigger jerks <laughs> and even more mean and just when it comes to a lot of these things. And so, you know, churches, some first thing we need to understand is churches are not to be all-inclusive. Okay? We saw that synagogue yesterday with the uh, rainbow star of David on it that said, all are welcome. And I've seen crosses like that and stuff too. That is wrong. Churches are supposed to be pure. And sin and false doctrine, it typically comes in subtly. Like a serpent. Like a snake. What does the Bible say in Genesis 3? 1, first time we see a serpent. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Did God really say that? Okay, this was the first textual critic right here. Is that what the Bible really says? Is that what God's Word really says? Are you, are you sure about that? And it says in 2 Corinthians 11.3, But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, 
whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. Now, so notice how Paul said, just like Satan came in subtly, he said, I'm worried about you as a church. Because that's how it works with false doctrine. It comes in subtly. People don't come in wearing a sign that says heretic. People don't come in wearing a sign about false doctrine and things like that. No, it's subtly. And here's what we've got to understand. Okay, Here's what we've got to make sure we master as, as a church. And that is, I believe as a church, we ought to be very loving, very accepting of people. But at the same time, while at the same time having a very low tolerance for false doctrine, I believe we should. Be, I believe we should be that way. And, and here's how we do this. I think this is the way to do this because you know you have some churches where it's like they're just waiting for somebody to say something wrong so they can throw them out. And I don't. I don't want to have that attitude. I don't want us to just be grilling people at the door as soon as they come in and we're just you know. And if they say anything wrong, we're ready to just toss them out on their ear. I, I don't think we ought to be that way. But here's how I think this should, this should work. How we can make sure we do this right. I think it should be clear anytime someone is removed from the church for whatever reason, whether it be false doctrine, whether it be for sin, wicked behavior, whatever, those people should know for a fact, and I think we've done this well, that those people, those individuals were loved. I've, I think we ought to hate sin I think we ought to hate false doctrine. But people, when they come into this church, it ought to be very clear. The people in that church liked me. The people in that church were nice to me. The people in that church cared about me. The people in that church were good to me. But boy, when I started bringing up multiple gospels, all of a sudden, they didn't care anymore. They lost their minds. All of a sudden, when I started pushing work salvation, they lost their mind. Because then, if it's all about the false doctrine... When we've done, when we've been loving to them, they can never take it personal. That hey, these people love me, but they hate false doctrine. These people love me, but they hated the sin that I was trying to spread in the church. They hated the discord I was trying to sow in, sow in the church. And I'm telling you, one of the things that often happen to people when they leave churches or when they get thrown out of churches, they often leave just feeling like you know what the people they were the respecters of persons. They just didn't like me. They're hateful. All that stuff. But look, I'm telling you right now, while we have, there's people that are no longer a part of this church, that are no longer welcome at this church. You know, anyone who has ever been a part of this church, they know for sure that when they were in this church, we loved them. We were good to them. We were kind to them. What was unacceptable was sin. What was unacceptable was certain behavior. What was unacceptable was certain doctrine. And I do. I think we have done that well where we have loved people too much. But I do think we've probably made some mistakes and we've put up with too much. I think, I, I, if anything, and I know I'm guilty of that, I have put up with too much junk from people. I have put up with too much dumb teaching, bad teaching, bad behavior. You know, I, 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 I've put up with too much of that. And I think... You know what? Like I said, I'm relating a little more with some of these preachers that are just everybody kind of perceives as jerks and stuff like that. But I'm telling you, you know, sometimes, you know what we do when we're putting up with bad teaching, false doctrine, bad behavior, sin? You know what we're doing? We're tempting God with it. 
Because it's like uh, preachers and, you know, maybe I'm preaching it myself right now. This would probably be a good preacher conference message. But, you know, preachers, we do. We kind of get this Messiah complex sometime where we just think we can fix everybody. We think we can heal everybody. But you know one thing I have learned, and I've learned it again, and I've learned it again, and I've learned it again over the years, is that some people never change. Some people, you know, there's just some people you're not going to fix. Um, you have, you know, but we do as preachers think, man, when they hear this message, I got so much Bible. I'm so full of the Holy Ghost that the Holy Ghost is just going to convict their heart and just, it's going to change them. This is going to straighten the church out. But let me tell you, sometimes it's not. I don't care how much Bible you give. I don't care how much I scream on, how much I pray over it. They're just not going to get it right. And sometimes you just got to tell people you, you need to hit the road. You need to get out of here because you're just going to bring in false doctrine. You're going to cause division. You're going to cause problems. And let me tell you, it should, it should be clear when people are removed from the church, they were loved, and it should not bring us pleasure. It should never bring us pleasure to throw people out. Maybe sometimes, but most of the time it shouldn't bring us pleasure. Okay? And especially if it's somebody that was here for a long time too. Again, if, it was some, if somebody comes in new and it turns out it's some sodomite trying to infiltrate the church, you know, we're going to enjoy that. But if it's somebody that was here for a year and we loved that person and then we found out they were sodomite trying to infiltrate, we're still not going to enjoy it. We're going to know it's what we need to do. And we've had that with people that, you know, where it's like we didn't enjoy it at all. It was not fun. You know, people, there's people that, you know, we know they can never come back here because some stuff was just so bad, but we didn't bring us pleasure. You know, it's just, it's what you have to do because the last thing we want to do is go tempting God. You know, we're not going to just go and have this attitude, we can fix pedophiles. I just, I just read a story about a guy who got busted for some serious perversion and he's in one of these churches that's always trying to, you know, restore people and everything like that. But this stuff was really bad. And this guy, the stuff that he just got busted for is so bad. It is so horrible. The things he was involved in, the things that happened. I don't even want to go into the details of it. It's, just, it's, it's too disgusting. I don't want to talk about it from the pulpit. But it's just like, why in the world did that church let that guy in there? And I know why they did. It's because that pastor... He's like a guru when it comes to spiritual warfare and stuff. And he was convinced we can help this guy. We can help this dirty, filthy pedophile. And no, all that all he did was he made their church look bad. You know what they did? They tempted God by bringing that pile of garbage, that snake into the church and playing around with them. And we can't be doing that kind of thing. We're not going to let pedophiles in this church. If they want to get restored, we're, you know, I think we should just start a restoration mission at the bottom of the river. And you know, we'll let them go down there. Uh, they just have to put on the, uh, you know, their uniform. It's called a millstone around their neck. And uh, they have their services down there. And you know, that, you know, that, that's, that's what we'll do for them. I think I'm going to get that started. If they voluntarily put, wear the millstone and go out and have the meeting in the bottom of the river... Uh, that's not my fault. I didn't do it to him. So, but that, 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 you know, that, that's what we do for pedophiles. You don't bring them into church full of kids. How is that not tempting people or tempting God and doing that kind of thing? We're not commanded to do that in Scripture. You, you don't understand the power of God. Yeah, that's what all these faith healer weirdos are saying. That's what these Pentecostals, you know, flinging the snakes around in their services are doing. You know, God can, God can heal snake bite. I, I know that. I know that, but a snake bite 
is something that typically happens on accident, you know, and when and guy, with guys like Paul, it was an accident, it was innocent, he wasn't playing around with it, and I understand that there are, there are things that God can do. I, I know what the blood of Christ is capable of doing, but we have not been called to just tempt God and then to do things too, to purposefully invite certain groups. And we're just, we're going to go reach out to the scum of society, you know, for June during pride month, we're just going to have some extra focus on reaching the LGBTQ STDs, you know, no, we're not going to do that. Why, why would we put ourselves in a compromised situation? Why would we do something that is dangerous? Because God can. I understand what God is capable of doing, but uh, we are not going to tempt God. That's not right. And so it, uh, Galatians 5, 6 says, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith, which worketh by love. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. So understand, when we, when we just put up with clear leaven, we know there's leaven. We know there's a problem. And we put up with it because we know God can heal. We know God can remove the leaven. I know that God can do that, but God has told us to keep the leaven out. And it's one thing if we don't know what's going on. Sometimes there's things we don't know. And I believe if God wants it gone, God will reveal it so we can take care of it. God, God wants the church taking care of itself. God, God has the, he has a pastor. God set up a church in a way where we are, we are supposed to take care of certain things. And people just act like, no, we're just going to let God take care of everything. And it's like, okay, I understand what you're trying to say, but God did tell us to go preach the gospel to every creature. I'm, I'm just going to pray God gets his community saved. I'm not going to go soul winning, though. I don't, no, God wants you to go soul winning. That's how God gets people saved. He sends out His people. He sends out soul winners. We don't just sit around and pray about it. That's ridiculous. That's not how that works. So it, it's important to understand there's a very big difference between someone, too, when it comes to error. There is a, and, and make sure you get this, there is a huge difference between someone who is taught wrong and just doesn't really know something in someone who comes in teaching something. And you do. You have people sometimes, they come into a church, you know, with the desire, I'm going to get this church straightened out on whatever. Watch out for that person. That person that the first day they come into church, they're talking about some weird doctrine. First time they come into church, they're talking about Nephilim or whatever. You know, and it's just like, listen, you know, I think you need to, I think you need to move on. Say, oh, that's terrible. You're going to throw somebody out of church for that? I would never throw somebody out of church just for believing the Nephilim doctrine. I would never, I would never throw somebody out of church for that. But let me tell you something. When somebody comes walking into a church and the first thing they're doing is pushing some weird doctrine, first thing, that's a bad sign. And you know what? If I as a pastor, if I as a shepherd, get a little rough with those people, try to run them off, Trying to run off wolves. You know, y'all shouldn't get too mad at me about that. That is a huge red flag when people do that kind of thing. It's, it's a huge red flag and we can't ignore that. We can't ignore that kind of thing. If somebody visits our church and we question them on salvation, if we question them and they say some things are wrong, you know, they say, or they say some things wrong, you can give those people grace if they come in teaching things wrong. 
we drop the hammer on them quick. Okay? And it doesn't, it doesn't count if you ask them, you push them, and they said something, you know, and they respond and say something a little wrong. That's not them coming in and teaching something. Okay? And, that, and that's going to happen. We're going to have people, we're out inviting people all the time. People are going to come in, they're going to be confused out of their mind. We're going to talk to them, try to figure out where they're at. They might not be in the right place. We give those people grace. It's when they come in trying to teach something, that's when you drop the hammer on them. Nobody has any right to go into an established church with an agenda to try to change that church's beliefs. That's not how we do it. Hey, I want to see Catholics get saved, but you know what? I'm not going to join the Catholic church with the intent to straighten them all out. First, how arrogant would that be? And that is just not how it's done. I, will, I, I would never do that. I, even as a, I, I would never go into any church with the intent, I'm going to change the pastor on this. That's messed up. You have, no, you have no right to do that kind of thing. When you go into a church that you disagree with, you have two options. You sit down and you deal with it. Because there's disagreements that are little, aren't that big of a deal. But when you go into an established church, if you disagree with them, you sit down and you deal with it and you shut up forever or you just leave. If, if you go into a church and you just can't handle what they're teaching, you should leave. If you can't handle it, you should leave. What you should never, ever do when you're in a church like that is to hang around and try to change things. That's wrong. That's sowing discord. I don't even care if you're right. I, have, I told a guy one time that wanted to move out to our church after he told me about how he tried to get sowing in his church and was getting in fights with everybody. He literally got in a fight one time over something. Literally. Physical. And he was... He, the, 100 people in his church. He was the only one in the church that wanted to go soul winning. One of the soul winning program in the church. And I told him, I, I let this guy talk and talk, tell me his whole story. And he, he was not expecting what I gave him. I told him, I said, listen, that church has been there for years. You have a hundred people who don't want to go soul winning. They're wrong. You, you want to go soul winning. You're right about that. But why in the world should that entire church just all of a sudden conform to your will? You just shouldn't go to that church. And I told him, I said, you, all this, I can't believe you caused all that trouble. I can't believe you got in a fight with somebody in that church. Don't come to our church. <laughs> this guy's clearly just a weirdo. And pretty soon he'll find something about our church that he disagrees with. And you know what he'll do? He'll get in a fight with somebody here over it. He'll start causing all kinds of trouble, even though as a church we don't agree with this, but he, he knows he's right. It's like, you're just an idiot. You're, you do not have the right to sit in a normal church with decent people. The people they just can't figure this out. And I'm telling you, it's just I, 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 it's so frustrating. People who have been in this church who did not like the church, like what I believed, did not like what I taught, did not like what we stood for, and they just slither around spreading their filth, spreading their garbage. It's like, no, just get out. You do not have the right to do that. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. Folks, there's... You know, unmovable. There's some things we're not going to move on. There's, we're not going to move on. You're wasting your time hanging around here trying to subtly change things from within. That's not right. Not putting up with that kind of stuff. And so when people have a different belief in the church, I do, I do believe there's areas where we can have disagreement, but we can't have areas where we're teaching different. We can't be, you know, causing division. In church, 1 Corinthians 3.3, 3, 
For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? And when you are causing division in a church, it is because of carnality. And you might think it's a spiritual fight. If it is a spiritual fight, if our doctrine here is so bad, then you just should get out of this church because our doctrine was bad before you got here and our doctrine will be bad long after you leave here. This is what it's been. And so just understand you, you shouldn't do that. And if you've got to cause division, if you're creating factions, even if it's on little things, that's just carnality. Okay, That's what carnal people do. Spiritual people, they can figure out where we can be different and they can allow people to be different in those things. Obviously, there's some things we can't be different on. We need to be the same when it comes to salvation. There's certain things we need to be the same on. But you know what? Carnal people can't figure out what those things are. But spiritual people can. Spiritual people can understand, you know what? This isn't my problem. You know what? You do you. They can figure that stuff out. But carnal people can't. And so one of the main reasons most shepherds won't, you know, won't get rid of wolves in their flocks or are scared to get rid of the wolves in their flocks is because a lot of times the church doesn't have the pastor's back. And that's and you know and that's not good either, you know. And one of the one of the things too, if I may, just complain about my job for a minute is one of the challenges that pastors are often up against is you know we, you know, are, I'm, I'm very serious about you know people tell me things in confident confidence, keeping it that way. And I told you before how often when people spill their guts to their pastor about their problems. It changes everything. And I was just thinking about somebody uh, this week. We were uh, in the area where they used to live. And I was thinking about them. And when I remember when these people started coming to our church, I was just like the greatest thing that ever happened. I was so great, it was freaking me out. Okay? And it, was, it, was, it was weird. kind of you know the, the flattery was a little over the top. And I didn't have any problems with these people. But then one day, you know, the, uh, the wife wanted to talk to us, talk to me and my wife. And we proceed to find out that they weren't perfect. Now we never thought they were perfect, but you know, and you know, she didn't tell she didn't tell us anything that made me hate these people, nothing. But the husband couldn't handle that we knew these things. You know, that he wasn't the greatest, and and just everything changed after that. Everything changed, and some of the junk that this guy did to me. Stuff you, I mean, it was just, it was downright wicked. And it all changed when I found out. And, and here's the thing when people and do that and then they start running their mouth and saying things, you know what? I don't have the, uh, I don't have the uh, ability to be able to get up and it's like, you guys want to know what I know about that person? Because that would sure help people get on my side. I, I don't have, I have the luxury to do that. I can't just be every time somebody gets mad at me, calling up everybody in the church, hey, is so and so talking about me? Because just in case they are, let me tell you what I know about them. I can't, I can't do that. I just have to hope that when some of these scumbags start running their mouths, the people in our church will be mature enough and spiritual enough to discern whether or not this is something they should be listening to. or will talk. And most people don't even talk to me about it. They will hear these terrible things. They don't, they don't talk to me about it. They just believe what they hear. And then I still can't go and tell them. It's like, listen... This is why they're telling you this stuff. Let me just, I can't do that. And it, and it stinks. 
And preachers, they get creamed all the time for being just these dictators and, and cult leaders and stuff because they try to tell people, hey, you know, you ought to trust your pastor a little bit. And I don't believe in being a blind follower and things like that. But I do think if we're going to be expected to be a shepherd, to watch over the flock, to be somebody who uh, you know counsels people and takes things into con- you know your confidence into consideration, I think a certain level of trust should be given. I don't think that's I don't think that's asking too much. And sometimes it's like too you know enough that it's like I got to do something to get rid of these people. They're bad, but you also just don't want to go. There's some things that's not for everyone to know. And so it is, it's a tough thing, but a lot of pastors, they don't know what to do. They can't get rid of these wolves because they know the congregation doesn't have their back. If they try pulling those tares out of the church, a lot of the wheat's going with it. And we've got to watch out for that. So y'all need to be spiritual too. It's important. We need to learn to recognize the things that can't be changed. God can change anything. You know, not, listen, I understand God can do anything, but does that mean God will do whatever it is you're wanting Him to do? And that's, you know, that's what they do. They act, like, they act like we're limiting God on certain things. But Jeremiah 13.23 says, Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? Then may he also do good that are accustomed to do evil. So the Ethiopian can change his skin. Can we, can we play for, pray for a black person to become white? I don't think we need to do that. Are you saying God can't do that? Listen, hey, God can do whatever He wants, but you know, there's some things we don't that are not meant to be changed, and they don't need to change. And some things God doesn't want to change. We see in Romans 1:24 saying, "Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves." And now we know who He's talking about. He's talking about the people that our country is celebrating this month says, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman, burning their lust one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their heir which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind, to do those things which are not convenient. Okay, so if God gives something up, if God gives something over, let me illustrate it this way. It would be like if you saw me take something from my office, all right? Let's say it was one of my Peter Ruckman books. And you saw me throw it in the dumpster. Okay, what is that me doing? That is me giving it up. That is me getting rid of it. I'm throwing it into the dumpster. You know what I don't need you to do is to go dig it out of the dumpster wrap it up all nice and put a bow and then bring it to me as a present. No, I got rid of it because I don't want it. I reject this book. I reject this teaching. I'm done with it. I threw it in the trash. And here it's talking about these people, talking about sodomites, that God gave them over to a reprobate mind. God gave them over to the vile affections. God gave them over to these things. And what do we have churches doing today? We've got to figure out how we can reach them. Why? God already cast them away, God already threw them into the trash, and God made it evident that they were trash. And then what do, what do people do? They're going, well, we've got to figure out how to get them back anyway because we're trying to get them to God. 
That's ridiculous. And not only are they, and, and again, and in doing that, they are violating tons of scriptures. Again, just bringing that kind of filth and sin into the church, it's absolutely ridiculous. And let me tell you, it's not even enough to just let a bunch of sodomites come and sit in a church. We've got churches today that are saying, no, we've got to marry them. We've got to ordain them. Did you know one of the Southern Baptist preacher, female preachers that they threw out? I saw the picture of her. She's wearing a rainbow thing. I don't know if that means she is one or if she just is supportive of them. But folks, that is not okay. That is not acceptable in any way. We are not to try to restore those things. We are, they are to be cast out. And how arrogant. Folks, how arrogant. How much of a Messiah complex do you have to have to think you can take what God has given up? God said, I'm giving them up. And you're like, I'll help them. Wait. I thought we're supposed to be sending people to the Savior because He's the only one that can save. But then when God says, no, I've given them up, we're like, then we'll get them. No, we're not. Okay, That's not how that works. That's ridiculous. Jude one twelve. These are spots in your Feast of Charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds there are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth, without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. But yet, again, churches just bringing in all kinds of stuff. You've got just... I mean, they'll allow some of the most horrible false doctrine. They will allow some of the most horrible behavior. They'll bring in the scum of the earth. I mean, bringing in politicians all the time. I, I hate that. I hate when churches bring in politicians. I don't even care if they're Republicans. I don't like that. They're thinking, oh, we've got to get them in because we're, we're going to preach the gospel to them. Now, listen, you... Now, again, I would love to get a chance to preach the gospel to a lot of politicians. But you know what I am not going to do? I am not going to allow some unsaved politician to come and like speak and to participate and, and to lead things in a service. That is ridiculous. That is wrong. How are we not tempting God when we do this kind of thing? That it doesn't make any sense. And so this and this attempt to reach the sodomites, it's an attempt to find a way to be a church and still be liked by the world. That, folks, it's not working. It's not enough. Did you know the LGBT crowd, they hate, 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 hate the Southern Baptists? And the, and the Southern Baptists think we're terrible because of how we are. They hate any religion that is not ordaining homos. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. Listen, never give, never give them an inch. So I just want to tell these people, you just never give them an inch in Romans one thirty one without understanding, covenant breakers without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. They're not satisfied. It doesn't matter. They have every right that our country can give them and then some. They're still out there marching in the streets, being filthy, being disgusting, being naked, out there chanting, we're coming for your children. And if we give them our children, they still won't be satisfied. You can't satisfy these people. It can't be done. And it's ridiculous to try. And I'm telling you, we don't, there is no need to move one centimeter on this issue. No need. And anytime we do, because we have some kind of Messiah complex or something, we are no different than these snake handling churches out in the wilderness in Kentucky. We're, we're no different. And let me tell you, I would rather be, bring a poisonous snake into the church in a sodomite. I really would. You know, and, and let me tell you, you know, at least a poisonous snake 
You know what it's, it's capable of. It's obvious what it's capable of. Those sodomites, sometimes they'll sneak in and they can look like one of us. You know, you got, and they're, they're, that's more dangerous. What's, what's more scary, a snake or a snake dressed up like a puppy? I don't know how you do that, but, you know, you know it, when, it, when it looks like something harmless, that's when it's scarier. So, again, we're, we're not going to budge an inch. And let me, I can guarantee, I, I promise you, this is the thing that just <clears throat> irritates me. But some of these Fox News Baptists, as we like to call them, that are speaking against the trannies right now, I promise you they will be changing their tune in a few years once the Republicans have bent on that issue. The, and the Republicans used to speak against gay marriage. The Republicans used to speak against homosexuality, but they quit. Now the Republicans are speaking against the trannies. But understand, it's, it's only a matter of time and they will stop. And when they stop, there's going to be a debate amongst independent fundamental Baptists. Should we let that guy in a dress come into church? I mean, come on, Jesus sat with Republicans and sinners. I mean, they will rationalize it. They will justify it. And I'm telling you right. And then we, again, are still going to be the freaks because we're going to be like, no! No, we're not letting that happen. We're not letting that kind of thing come in here. But let me say, false, and false prophets too, they're as bad as they come because false prophets are the ones that are most likely to end up in a church. They're the ones that they come in. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, 6, For this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lusts, ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs also was. And notice how the snakes, they do, they, they creep into houses. You know why? Because it's like, in a church, too, people just know there's some stuff you shouldn't say in a church. People have a little bit of reverence for the house of God. They know a little better than, you know, on, on this property to say certain things, push certain things. But what do they do? They get in your house. They get you in their house. And that's when they vomit their wickedness. That's when you find out what they really are. And, you know, pastors, they, they need to stop trying to restore fallen pastors. Even if these pastors are saved. Now, and when I say restore, I'm saying like restoring them to the pulpit and stuff. Because even if they are saved, actions have consequences. Don't understand that? Actions have consequences. You do certain things, it disqualifies you from certain things. There are some various sins out there that people need to understand. If you commit those things, it might not mean you're a reprobate, but it does mean you will never enjoy the privilege of sitting in a church with decent people ever again. Listen, we live in a sick, disgusting world where there's human trafficking, where there's pedophiles. And let me tell you something right now. You know, while I think pedophiles are just the worst of the worst of the worst, just understand, and, and human traffickers, they are the worst of the worst of the worst. It is too good for them to be buried in an outhouse. If you ask me, that, 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 that's how scummy they are. But you know, you, you ever go, so if somebody, in here, you ever just go and out of temptation out of, or even just curiosity, you view something like child pornography, understand you have contributed to that industry and we can only assume that you might be one of them. You might not be a pedophile. You might not be a reprobate. But the fact 
that you, you mess with something like that, that is so wicked, that is so dangerous, even if you're not a reprobate, you forfeited your opportunity to sit in a church with children. That's, that's the attitude we need to have. Again, we're not saying everyone who you know, we would ban from this church and never let come back is a reprobate and a twofold child of hell. But we're saying there's certain things you do them, you forfeit your right to certain things. And it's not because we hate, hate you, but there's just some things that are that bad. And so when it becomes manifest that someone is bad, it doesn't make sense to keep messing with them. When you find out somebody's just been lying and lying and lying, it just it doesn't make sense to keep messing with them. While it isn't always wrong to listen to your gut, you know you need to understand too. It isn't proof, okay? You know your your gut can't be proof for the entire church. Oh, you know, Pastor Tom, just something my gut tells me this guy's a pervert. Okay, well, you know, then then you watch out. But I can't throw somebody out of the church because of your gut feeling. But at the same time, too, you know. Pay attention to these. Pay attention to these things. We have instincts for a reason. And even though people constantly say things like don't judge, you know, we absolutely must judge these things. And when all indicators are evil, we need to act accordingly. And I'm not going to take time to go through the passage, but Hebrews chapter 6, verse, verse 1 through 9, that's where we have that passage where it talks about we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation. And when you look at that passage... Uh, just a brief overview of it. The context of it is, hey, let's move on from these basic doctrines. Let's go into some of the deeper things. And the writer of Hebrews is showing not a behavior that accompanies salvation, but when someone is saved, you, they, we have an expectation that they will accept certain doctrine when presented to them. And it makes a statement in that passage. It's a little, it's a little confusing, but it talks about uh, you know, the earth, how it drinketh it in the rain. And it basically is showing that over time, we will see what kind of seeds were in the ground. Because it grows. It produces fruit. It produces a plant. And we will eventually know what it is. And let me tell you, time always reveals what seed someone is of. It always reveals. And I do believe when it comes to watching over the flock, it's primarily the job of the shepherd of the church and it, it can cause and it can cause a lot of problems when everybody tries to be the shepherd. You gotta watch out for that. But if you find out someone believes false doctrine, did you know you ought to let me know without first going and getting everyone together to tell me the same thing. And I've had that happen before where you know multiple people came to me about a problem, but it was after they had a meeting. And it's just like, wow, I don't know that this is two or three witnesses anymore because everybody's saying the exact same thing. I think this is one witness. That, that, that's not how that works. So again, if you know, and a lot of times too, what you have might not be enough to hang somebody. And a lot of times people will be like, oh, I don't know if I want to say anything. Listen, I'm good at keeping secrets. But again, if you come and tell me, and then someone else comes with something very similar, that means a lot. I've, I, there, there, there was a time when I actually called somebody up and I to, that wanted to come to our church. And I told them, you need to keep looking. Don't come here. And one of the reasons I did is because you know, my gut was telling me something was wrong. But I didn't really have any proof. But then I had two different people who never come to me saying, we got to keep this guy out of the church. I'm, I'm concerned about this. Okay? There's some people who think everybody's a reprobate. Okay? 
You don't, but these are two people who had never done anything like this before that came to me. It's like, hey, there was this kind of this red flag and it was about something that was spoken of. And these people had not talked to each other. They had not colluded with each other. The one, something was said directly to them and they told me about it. And another person overheard it and didn't talk to them about it. And both of these people who never do that kind of thing, they came to me and were like, hey, this is what happened. And you know what? To me, that was, you know what? That's good. That's, that's enough. And it, it, I, I, I called them up and I was like, stay out of here. This, this isn't the place for you. And so it's okay for you to do that kind of thing. And, and I'm glad those people did not go all over the church telling everybody. Because again, what if it had been a misunderstanding too? Because the one person that came to me is like, I, he's like, I, I don't know. Maybe I misunderstood. Because the, the one person that came to me, they're like, they kept saying, I, I, I'm not sure. Maybe I misunderstood, but this is what it seemed like. And so if all I would have had was that, that probably wouldn't have been enough. But because I had the other person too, that it was directly spoken to, they're like, yeah, this is what happened. Then that was, that was enough for me. But understand you ruin everything when you go and you tell everybody. It, it, it really does. It hurts things. And, you know, and I want to make sure to do justice. You know, I think it's a big deal just telling somebody, you can't come to this church. I don't take that kind of thing lightly. And so it is 100% appropriate for us to expect true brethren to agree with certain doctrines once they've been shown. It's okay. It's 100% appropriate for us to expect certain behavior from saved people. You know, we ought to, it's okay for us to do that. 1 Corinthians 5, 6, your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Purge out there for the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. He said that because they had a man in this church who had his father's wife. He said, you can't let that be going on in the church. You've got to get rid of that. He shouldn't be acting that way. And Paul didn't even say he wasn't saved. And later in 2 Corinthians, we see that guy repented and Paul wanted him to restore, restore him. But in the meantime, it was they had every right as a church to say, we don't expect Christians to act like that. We don't expect Christians to be involved in this kind of behavior and involved in this kind of activity. And when people don't behave like a Christian, it is okay for us, if they will not repent after they've been confronted, to move forward as if they are not a Christian. doesn't mean they're not saved. But sometimes you have to treat people like they're not saved. In Matthew 18, 15... It's, and we're not going to read it. We talked about it last week, going through the steps of what you should do when there's a problem. And what it say? If he will not hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Why? Because he's a heathen and a publican? No. But if he's going to act like them, you know what? We're going to treat him like that. You're going to act like a lost man. We're going to treat you like a lost man. They might be saved, but we're not going to treat you that way. And just like we wouldn't let a lost person be a member of this church, somebody's acting like one, sorry, you need to get out of here. And we don't enjoy that. We love, we love you, but we're not going to tempt God by letting that kind of sin stay in the church. And there comes a point with all these people where we are no different than the snake handlers out there if we let it stay around. We don't need to tempt God. We don't need to cast our pearls before swine. And let me tell you, if we do... Here's the, here's the problem too. When you let stuff stay in for too long, what ends up happening, whenever you do get rid of it, again, those tares, their roots get connected to the wheat. And then the wheat, some wheat ends up going out too. And that often happens too. You end up seeing good people 
uh, go out with the bad people. And that's why, again, we need to have a very strong love for people, but a very low tolerance of sin and false doctrine. That's the attitude we need to have. Anybody who ever gets thrown out of this church, they, there should be no doubt in their mind, in our mind, that for sure we love those people. We were kind to those people. We were good to them. We wanted them in our church. We still want them in our church. But as a church, we have a responsibility to purge out the leaven. And the whole point of this message is just a reminder, there are some things and some people too we just shouldn't mess with. Some people we're not even going to try to get in here. While we should be patient with people and have a strong desire to help people, we want to see people change. We need to understand there is a line where we start messing with some things to where we're crossing a line and we're starting to tempt God. And I want to keep making fun of the snake handling churches in you know, the hills of West Virginia and places like that. And so we can't be doing the same thing in principle. We've got to make sure we do this right. And so with that, let's pray to your Lord. I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the lessons it gives. And I pray you'll help us, Lord, to uh, put these things into practice. Help us not to uh, just have a uh, just bleeding heart for just wickedness out there, but help us to do the hard things and to just be diligent and keep loving out of the church and uh, make sure we're doing the right thing. And I pray you'll protect our church and uh, help us to just be loving uh, when it comes to people, but help us to uh, really push people in the right direction. In your name we pray. Amen.